Greetings, friends. Welcome to the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's special show. Uh, being that this is the last show of the year, Alex and I wanted to extend our deepest uh, thank yous for all that you guys do to support the show, for listening to the show, for giving us your time. We appreciate that. Uh, one little note before the show starts, uh, Alex's son, Hank, also is apparently a massive Slumdog Millionaire fan. So you will hear him in the background on and off a little bit at the beginning of the show because uh, he just he had to share his love with us. He wanted to tell us what Celine was up to. He wants to be a millionaire. Who can blame him? Uh, but on a serious note, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you for a wonderful 2022 from your friends here at the Film Alchemist. I can't wait to do bigger and better things in 2023, all for and because of you guys. Thank you. Film Alchemist podcast of this year. Uh, God damn, what a wonderful year it is. We are excited to take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and the bitch of the slot. <laughs> Alex Dandino. <laughs> Just took the magic out of it. Just brought it down to a horrifying level. Uh <laughs> All right. Uh, before this, the last episode of the year, which we are so excited about, a little business, guys. It is official. We are on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Pod. The best way to support the show. The best way to make the show exactly what you want and deserve. You can vote on the movies that are in our Patreon exclusive library. You get commentaries. You can even make us talk about the movies you want. Specifically, uh, as you go up the official Highlander tier ranking system. Guys, seriously, though, this is a looking back into the year show. The Patreon community has meant the world to us. You guys have been so wonderful and Love kind this. and generous. You are the fuel uh, that gets us to whatever level of rocket this reaches. Maybe not the highest rocket, but God damn it, we try. Uh, so thank you, guys. And for those of you who are going to join this pirate ship, thank you as well. The YouTube Film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on whatever social media is left by the time you hear about this. We love to hear from you. Make sure you're leaving those five-star ratings and reviews anywhere and everywhere you find the show. All right, so this year, uh, as we always do with stocking stuffers, right? We let the gods of the D20 decide what movies that were picked. And our dear friend and my Tales from the Griff co-host, again, over on Patreon.com slash Pod, if you like Tales from the Crypt, uh, Cloud, one of my oldest friends, he put in a movie that I absolutely love, Slumdog Millionaire. Um, <laughs> fucking love this movie. I knew movie. you were going to do it. Uh, I, I Every time I watch this movie, I'm overfilled uh, with joy, happiness. I don't feel so bad about being part of the human condition. Uh, makes me want to go out and write a good next chapter, man. I truly, truly love this movie. I love everything about it. Uh, so I was very excited that this one got in. It feels like a nice movie to send us off this year and into the next year. So Alex, opening thoughts on Slumdog Millionaire. Definitely, definitely a movie to in the year on it's but it was a nice it's a good it's a it really is like a feel-good movie i don't know how else to put it yeah. like the quote on the poster on wikipedia is like the feel-good movie of the decade i'm like i'd say like multiple decades this feel this movie is right. felt good <laughs> uh, uh 
Yeah, I mean, for a movie that is... It's amazing, like, the movie's made for $15 million for a movie that, like, has absolutely... Oh, only one element of Americanism in it, really. Like, this movie made $378 million, and that just speaks to how powerful the storytelling is in this film. Like, yeah. I love Danny Boyle movies. Like, he's yeah, rarely th- made... Danny Danny Boyle's rarely made a movie, and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, he's... Love Danny Boyle. Incredible. Uh, yeah. It just, it just has this style. This It's kind of... It has this fairy tale element to it, right? It's it's just a beautiful, wonderful love story, man. Yeah. Um, I also am a, a game show junkie, so Millionaire being part of it was huge. Fucking love that show. I was telling my wife, do you remember? We were the age. I remember the first time that fucking guy, that nerd with the glasses, yep. he called it. He used his last lifeline to call his father. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get chilled up even saying it. He goes, uh, I don't need help. I just want to tell you I'm about to win the million. And we're all like, yeah, fuck. oh, my God. That was yeah. like appointment television I for me and my yeah. family. No, no. That was it was like that and American Idol were appointment television. See, that one that I era. skipped. But but that was what what, cool that's about the this, era. But you take the game show, right, which we all take for granted because like my family loves board or uh, game shows. Right. 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 So we always watch all of them. But. Watching it and then hearing uh, Latika right later in the film, it's like, why does everyone like this show? And she goes, it's hope. It's a way out. Seeing it from that perspective from somewhere else, um, it really just adds because it's such a strange setup for a story, right? This game mm-hmm. show in the midst of this kind of fairy tale romance um, and these really horrifying dark places that the real world takes you. And it, it's just this kind of strange amalgam of things that um, – just so dramatically overachieves uh but i love what it says right so it starts and it's so we start off and we're seeing who wants to be a millionaire mixed with this fucking interrogation it. right well that's how he says it i'm saying how he says it right and uh this fucking brutal interrogation we're like what the fuck is happening and then it drops the questions right uh jamal malik's about to win the chai right he's about to win all these mm-hmm. 20 million rupees how did he do it, right? Did he lie? Is he lucky? He's a genius. It is written. And just immediately, I was like, I'm fucking hooked on this journey. Yeah. Um, and again, so essentially this story becomes a vignette film, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing vignettes of his life from childhood to now. Right. And how he again, knew these very he, specific questions. I just got to say, like, the framing for this, the framing device of this movie, which is like, again, it takes... It takes a game show. It takes like that, like, because, uh, you know, you and I have both worked in reality TV. Like, you always do these stupid background packages for people when we're doing, like, reality shows. It's like, oh, look at the person they are before they come into this place. Like, what's awesome is it takes this really, I mean, look, it's obviously a tried and true method, but it takes this really stupid um, methodology from reality TV and, like, makes it that much more beautiful. And I like the way that. I like the way Slumdog does this because it essentially every time like they want it, like when he's being interrogated, it's like, how would you ever know this answer? How would you ever know that? It's like, right. Well, that is the interesting thing about the storytelling itself. And like a lot about like, what's interesting to me about culturally, there are things that kids wouldn't, that certain people would know that other people wouldn't know. Like that I think is probably the most interesting thing about the movie itself is there are aspects that of course this person wouldn't know because that's not something that would even matter. But like, it, it just, I like the explanation. Like every time they're like, how the hell would you know that? It's like, well, you don't know this. Like when he's like, how much do you know how, um, I don't know what that, I don't know what the, the dish is called, 
but he asked like do you know how much this is at this one particular stand to get this food and they're like i don't know he's like i do like it's right those kinds of aspects of the story and those kinds of ways that you get into the story that a like make us love jamal who's like mm-hmm. and again dev patel we've talked about this on the show before dev patel is like just one of the best actors out there he's so love dev patel yeah because i wonderful. i met him on uh british skins right yep. that was like the shit and then uh to see him pop up in this, but he is such a an open nerve, right? Yeah. It just just a complete heart on his sleeve kind of guy. But what is funny is because when we start, right, the game show gives it this kind of magical quality, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that all these questions come into place, the fact that he's a chaiwala at the phone center, so he knows when to call. So it has this magical realism, but it's mixed with this fucking brutal reality, right? And so while he is this heart on his sleeve kind of, Errol Flynn running through the adventure Very of the much movie. So. Very much so. There also is an absolute fortitude to this man. And I think what really settles in is you watch it grow, right? Because the other element of the movie is it's this divergent tale, right? Of two brothers who grew up and this dire consequence, right? Right. Or not dire consequence, but these dire setups, right? Of where they're living. Um, and just watching the two paths diverge. Mm-hmm. And because Jamal has something that matters to him so much, right, Latika, because he has this true love that no matter how brutal this world gets, there's something that is worth it for him Yeah, to do better, to get, like, even when they're at that fucking, that guy who abducts the kids and makes him panhandle, right? Right, right. He's like, ooh, once that guy hears my singing right, I'm going to buy us a house. And so he has this hope. And I think what you watch is the, this brutal fucking harsh reality crush Salim and put him into these places where he reacts out of anger and hatred and right. you know justifiably so but watching jamal continue to fucking just have love and just keep trying man it's well it's, that's it's, like it's, the beauty of the story is yeah. jamal's this like i think that's what's inspiring about jamal is jamal's this like incorruptible spirit so to speak mm-hmm. like there's so many terrible things and you see salim and even latika who They've both been through the ringer, and, like, at one point, Lachika's just like, I know what my life is going to be. I understand what this is. Salim seems to, like... Salim is one of those characters who takes his circumstances and uses them to his advantage to, like, become a person, not necessarily that he hates, but basically he becomes someone who doesn't have to think about the things he's done in his life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think what it is, right? It's the it's the junkyard dog thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you take a dog and you chain them up and beat them and starve them, they're gonna fucking be mad and aggressive, right? right. right? Yeah. And so you see this this boil into him, and you see him take that journey from abused child and say, "No fucking more. Right. I'm gonna be the one who's doing the abusing." Mm-hmm. And it's fucking tragic because it's one of those. T- you see a lot of characters like this in movies right. and don't get the backstory, right? Right. This one, we watch these two little boys from a game of cricket to absolute just destruction. Like, this guy is now a murderer. He's involved in selling women. I mean, the scene that is just fucking brutal and gut-wrenching, right, is they finally find Latika, right? They go Ugh. back into town, and they find her, right? And they save her. And Salim shoots the guy who kidnapped him, right? Who's running the children's ring. And they run. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, they got revenge on this guy. They're moving on with life. Everything's good, right? They get into that fucking hotel room. And he sees Latika, right? And Jamal, they have this cute moment. She's like, don't look. He's like, okay. 
And he's like squeezing his eyes so tight. Like if he opens them, she'll disappear. It's fucking beautiful. Salim goes out to like this. Hey, I want to work for this guy, right? I kill him. I'm on. Like, all right. When he comes back to that hotel room, and this is where you really see these two divergent tales kind of crash in the most effective way. He comes back in and he pretty much is like, all right, I want a piece of Latsika, right? She's a whore now. I'm going to take what's mine. Yeah. And Jamal just fucking attacks him, right? Because Jamal, that's what he does, right? He protects Latsika. And when the brother pulls the gun on him, man, it's fucking real world gut-wrenching. It's Devastating this, to watch. I mean, it's this really, again, like, because Jamal is just this pure of heart character that you see throughout the entire movie. And you're so invested in Jamal's story. That when these kinds of things happen, like this ultimate betrayal, like you think about, like, look, I love, you know, you have brothers, I have a brother. Like, there are there are things that you're just like, how can you, I, you know, it's one of those things like, how could you do that to your brother? And it's a set of circumstances. It's a set of circumstances that dictate who or what you become and how you decide to become that person. And again, like, the theme throughout the movie seems to be about this, like, it is written. You know what I mean? Like there are things that happen in this world that people are destined to be. Destiny has such a huge factor in how the story is told and how the way the story unfolds that it's impossible not to think like it, it is just what it has to be. And it is these characters who like, you have to just look at your set of circumstances and work with it. And it's interesting because Salim and even Latika go with the flow a lot of the time. Like it is just is what it is. Like, Salim knows what he's trying to do. It is always Jamal who knows that something is amiss and he doesn't, there's something in the universe dictating him to another direction. It's a really fascinating thing to watch Dev Patel's performance too, because he could at one point just, I don't know. There's, there's so many times when it's, it's just one of those things where you're looking at him having this experience, like, especially when he's being interrogated where you're like, you could just tell these guys, like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I know the answers. I, I wouldn't lie if I didn't. Even when he, even when um, Anil Kapoor, the guy who is the host of the show, tries to give him the answer. Like, right. that to me is such an awesome turning point in the movie, too. Is, it's this moment where he's like, and you, you can't feel it. Because this is the other thing, too, is like, you're also not sure, even as an audience member, like, you know that he's not cheating because it's Jamal. Like, we know Jamal from the start. Like, who this person is, his character. But you're also like, there is a chance, I guess, that he could just not know and somehow he's getting the answer, something like that. And then he tries to give him the answer. And I think that's the scene where, that's where you're locked in. It's like, oh, Jamal is truly the purest of heart of this of these all these characters. Because he uses the lifeline in that moment and he's like, I'm not going to let you win. I'm not going to give you... I'm not going to give in to you to this temptation. Like it's that, it's like that temptation of Christ thing, you know, that we see in a lot of movies. Like, can you resist the urge to become this version of yourself that while everyone else sees a hero, you know, or is somehow corrupted? Well, it's, it's yeah. Cause we kind of see that in every turn, right? There's, I mean, a great example of this, right? Kind of a great microcosm of what is so wonderful about Jamal in this movie, right? Is when they're kind of running a scheme, right? Jamal goes into, you know, shit in the toilet. Yeah. The brother watches the door and they charge guys to run and take a shit. And he's like elevated avatar huts or whatever. (laughs) And Jamal won't get out. He's like, oh, my tummy. And so they lose the money. So Salim locks him in. All of a sudden, this like fucking 
you know, Indian Bruce Willie rolls in, right? This, like, action star, it's, right? Uh, probably, uh, like, a Lee Majors of our time, right? Yeah, Amitabh Bakchan, I believe. Yeah, he was the most famous man in India, right? Yeah, this yeah. kind of action star, whatever. And so Jamal is locked in the room. Salim's mad at him, locks him in. So they're all going to see this guy's helicopter in the slums, right? Jamal has a choice, right? He's got a picture of him in his pocket. That's his idol, right? That was his Latika before Latika, right? Yeah. And he, he jumps in, right? He just fucking cannonballs into the shit and runs out fucking covered in shit, right? Hot. Hot, hot outside shit, hot, right? Hot, hot outside hot, liquid soupy shit. Dude. outside shit, yeah. yeah. Runs through the crowd just smearing shit on a couple. They part ways for him. <laughs> and he hands the shitty picture of the guy and gets the autograph and fucking cheers. Uh, oh. And so a kid, no matter what shit is thrown on him, right, follows what he loves until he gets the job done. And then that fucking bitch ass Salim sells the autograph. Sells the autograph. God damn. Because dude. Salim, this is the thing. Because there's a great scene, right? When they're young, right? And they're running after the mom gets killed, right? That Ugh. powerful line, right? And it's like, how did you know what the God was holding in his hands? He's like, I wish every day I didn't know what that God had in his hands. Without yeah. that God and the other, my mom would be alive, right? The mom gets brutalized and killed with this fucking rebar. Yeah. And they run. And so even seeing that, right, Jamal and his brother, they're riding trains, they're stealing. He doesn't lose that smile. Um, but before that even, right, they're in this, like, shipping container sleeping. And Salim's like, we can't have a girl with us. Ah. And Latika's just out in the rain, rain waiting, right? And Jamal is like, you know, I just want her to come in. He waits till he thinks Salim is sleeping. Calls her in, right? They start talking. Salim is awake. Yeah. Why does Salim let that happen? I mean, why doesn't he wake up and smack them both around and throw Latika out? I think deep down, Salim is a good person. That's like underneath all the circumstance and the things that we don't see Jamal handle because Jamal's the younger brother. Salim takes mm -hmm. all this on, and you're an older brother. You understand, like you want to protect your younger sibling from a lot of the, yeah, not necessarily evil in the world, but like. You want to be the person who's the catch-all because you don't want yet you don't want that person to deal with it. So for me, Salim is like, if I don't, it's like neither here. It's like if I don't hear it, technically I didn't see it. So it's like, what am I gonna do? Like that, yeah. I think is like a really. But ultimately, it's because Salim is a good person. He's just the person who has to deal with all the bad shit. That's why he's in charge of all yeah. the panhandle kids, that kind of thing. Yeah. See, I think they're. He, he's clearly not a good person mostly right what i think yeah. i look at and you know it's an older brother right and he he's not even an older brother he's forced into this like parenting world yeah exactly so way beyond his his years he has to take care of a little brother and he's a fucking child too like a little child right but like he does save jamal from getting his eyes popped out right he does yes. um this horrifying shit so what i think it is though is i think salim knows inside that he can't forgive and move on, right? That Salim is always going to want that revenge and that pound of flesh. Mm -hmm. And I think he sees Jamal's childhood innocence that he doesn't have, and he does try to protect that as much as he can. Yeah. So he'll do the bad stuff. He'll shoot Maman. He'll, you know, fight the giant guy with the chloroform, right? So that he may give Jamal – and I think part of that is he's – I think he loves the fact that Jamal can love Latika, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's that shows innocence. a lot about Salim is that he will allow him to love Latika and not just him, right? Right. Um, and I think you see that a lot, right? When Jamal finally refines him at the call center. And he has that great scene where he imagines tackling him off the fucking yeah, yeah, dude, time. Great. 
and he just punches him, right? Mm -hmm. And Salim's sitting there. He's like, look, that used to be our slum. Now that's business, man. We're at the center of the business world, and I'm at the center of the center. And all Jamal can say is just, where's Latika? Yeah. And you see this kind of frustration in Salim, like, this fucking bitch again? Yeah. It's because the... he knows my fucking dream and all the shit that I thought is important. The moment Jamal asks about Latika, his whole fucking facade is just unraveled. It's and I the, think there is something to that that Salim does appreciate. Yeah, it is the, it's the, I can't be innocent, but I can let somebody, like, that's like the, par yes. that's that parenting brotherhood thing is like, I can't be innocent, but I can let, I can yeah. let this person be innocent. I can give them that ability. Like, that's that thing that was taken away from me so young, but I can give them the ability to do this. Right. Well, even at the end, right, when he lets Latika go, right, and he's like, this fucking idiot, like. He stole her from him at the train station, right? right? Her face gets cut. And he goes in and sees her, and he's just like, just go to him, man. This guy, he's never going to fucking quit. He'll die before he quits. And so, again, Salim's like, I'll fucking pay the price for what I've done. Because he's the one who took him and Latika away, right? They fucking left Jamal right. in the dust. And probably a part of Salim really missed that, having a heart walking around outside, or, you know, like a little bit like a Tin Man, right? Like, I got no heart, but Jamal's my heart. And he probably felt really bad. Right. And he's like, I'll take. And he, he just dies this absolutely pathetic death. Um, <laughs> just in a bath full of money. And there there is such a sad, pathetic. It's a really perverse image in a strange way, right? Like, this guy who we watch be, you know, born into nothing. Yeah. Right? Living. I mean, the the water and the, the filth. Like, that's his. That's where he's a boy, right? Mm-hmm. His mom gets murdered. He does all of this shit, you know, to get them through. And just he finally has all this fucking money in a bath. And it's it's just such a pathetic, sad image, right? And it it's kind of this beautiful image because we're pairing it next to if Jamal wins all these rupees, he can have the so it's shit, the the money at the end becomes this really excellent fucking sounding board for where right. we are. Well, it's this metaphor for I mean, it's this metaphor for the pursuit of you know, is the pursuit of security or the pursuit of happiness. Like that's such a, like, and that I think goes back to like what we were talking about with who, like the, the dichotomy of Salim and Jamal is like Salim never had the ability to pursue his own happiness. Right. So Jamal instead is Jamal's the one who is pursuing true happiness, true love. And Salim has to, Salim has to deal with like whatever Salim has to find happiness wherever he can. So it's a bathtub of money. It's whatever is, you know, whatever's piled up. You know what I it's mean? It's this fleeting. Yeah. Like the quick cash, the power, the ladies, whatever. I yeah. think in that moment, he knows that he'll never have what Jamal has. Right. And that that is precious. Um, Salim actually. Yeah. He's, he's such a little bastard. But by the end of the film, there's a real moment. Uh, oh, he knows he's a bastard. He knows he's he a bastard. Knows. Yeah, he yeah, knows. Yeah, he, he fully is aware. I think there's, like, I like that He doesn't like have this delusion, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, that to me is the really beautiful part about the character is there's no – he's not disillusioning himself. He's very much – he's just that he is – he knows. He knows who he is. He knows who he had to become, and I think that is what makes him such a – that's what makes – that's what makes him such a sympathetic character in a movie that, like, should garner him no sympathy – in storytelling, yeah. Mr. Garner, no sympathy, you do feel for this guy. You feel bad with the mom, and then he sees some shit. You're like losing your sympathy. 
By the end, though, you're like, yeah, this is pretty sad and pathetic, right? Right. He got all the money. He did what he had to do. This is it. Um, he can't just go away with Jamal, right? Like, he couldn't just go with Jamal and Latika and try to be happy. Right. And he knows that. And it, let's talk about the biggest uh, C word in the movie, though. <laughs> uh, our game show host. Good uh, God. Mr. Millionaire himself. What an absolute... This is the difference, though. We had Regis Philbin, who's kind of like this nice, aloof grandpa figure. This guy's a piece of shit. This game show host fucking sucks. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's interesting is, like, so, there's, like, this is the part that I, because I, I'd, um... I'm well, co- him or the fat cop, they're the two biggest C-words They're the two the biggest movie. pieces of shit, for sure. But, like, mm-hmm. like in college, we learned a lot about... It's um, Halim's an actual murderer, but they're worse. <laughs> It's like in hierarchy, it's game show host, fat cop, Latika's husband, Salim. What's interesting to me is that, (laughs) what's interesting to me is that like (laughs) the host of the show, (laughs) he sucks so bad. Um, The host of the show. Dude, he's literally like, what are you, a fucking chai walla? (laughs) Like he's turning to that audience (laughs) like he's Donald Trump. works for a living. What are you, you have a fucking minimum wage job? It oh, you start- stupid fuck. What's, and what's interesting, too, is, like, because it starts with this uh, class warfare moment. Because there is a lot of that. Because, again, like, um, you know, uh, I know so little about, like, Indian Hindu culture. I do know about the caste system, though. And, like, because we watched Monsoon Wedding when I was in high school. We did a lot of we did a lot of networks. We did a lot of uh, unit work on that kind of stuff. So, like, there is that sort of class warfare going on. But by the middle of the movie, when he suspects that Jamal's cheating and he tries to like pull the pull the bait and switch on him by feeding him the wrong answer, and then he just has him straight up arrest. He's like, "There's no way this dumb dumb knows anything. I can't believe well, he's still winning." Also, like, let's talk about how big of a dickhead. douche this guy is. He fucking did like he's fucking you know in a fucking '80s high school romance movie. <sighs> he breathed on the glass and then wrote it in fog yeah. in steam. You're like, what if that had just disappeared and Jamal never saw it? Yeah. He's busy washing his hands there's and another, feeling the pressure of millionaire. There's another aspect to this that bothers me about the way he like treats this moment overall is it's like he's like a it it's when he bring up the eighties thing and I was like, What is this Cobra Kai? Like, good lord. Like, like <laughs> dealing yeah. with the guy Only who's like, one slum dog can do yeah. good for him. But that's what he says, I'm like, right? He's he, like, I'm he the only one. He literally is like bitching about the fact that Jamal's gonna win all this money. Yeah. And like he's like, it's he'll be fair. as rich as him. He'll be yeah. as rich as me. It's like, are you jelly? What's going on, bro? Yeah, that doesn't take away your money. This yeah. is it's actually funny. This, I think this is such a relatable girl, some skim. Yeah, this is an absolutely relatable American idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you have all these fuckers that are like, I don't want to pay taxes. Fuck people who need help because they think someday <laughs> they'll be the millionaire. Right, it's like right. you won't be the millionaire, dude. You're out. You're fucking out. Uh, neither here nor there. But just that thought, right, that the game show host is like, I don't want some kid who grew up like me. So presumably this guy has a whole fucking lifetime of memory similar to what we've lived through with Jamal. Right, right. In having that background, he goes, you know what? I'd rather you stay down there. Yeah. That's what makes him the biggest it's monster. pretty fucking terrible. Like, and again, it, it goes from, oh, I'm going to make fun of you because you clearly are, like, you're not going to make it that far because you're just a chaiwala to, wait a second. It is not fair that you are just a chaiwala and you're making it this far. It's like, that is that is the most, like, 80s bully moment you could come up with in a movie that is, like, not well, supposed to be mirroring any of those just, Let's just be very clear, right? I think we both might agree on this, but to me... It's about the biggest piece of shit move in the universe, right? Outside of, like, rapists, whatever. But if you're a person who 
has achieved a lot in your life and your way you react to that is to pull the ladder up behind you and say fuck all of you stay down there that's pretty i i have no sympathy for you and may you rot in hell forever uh that's about as big a scumbag as you can you rank those kinds of people certainly below like murderers and rapists but they're not that far off not that fucking far off but no it's like my kid every day he's like watching youtube and he's obsessed with cristiano ronaldo he's like do you know ronaldo has a fucking garage full of cars it's worth like 300 million dollars i'm like that seems pretty fucking stupid right and he's like what he's like that's cool i'm like why not have one thirty million dollar car and use the other 270 million dollars to do something good for the fucking universe yeah and my kid just had that moment he's like oh good point and i was like yeah fuck it like what the fuck but i think it's just such a natural thing for us to look at people who accrue all this shit and it's like fuck yeah dude yeah fuck yeah dude it's I, I, I think, I don't know, maybe that's just me. I, I find that so fucking despicable in human beings. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, I think it's, again, this is the altruism of Jamal shining through, though, you're just like, he's not. Let's gonna... be real, though. You think Jamal's, like, fucking building, like, a nice cul-de-sac of houses? Well, that's my, that was actually my no, question. fucking Jamal's show, going like, to the burbs. <laughs> what's Jamal doing with these 20 million Jamal's going to have a fucking mansion with 10-foot gates and fucking moats and tigers out in the fucking burbs. What's Jamal doing with 20 million rupees? Yeah, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's pushing India as far away from him and Latsik as fuck shack as he can. <laughs> I don't believe for a second Jamal's going back and helping anyone. <laughs> No, dude. I, I love Jamal, but I think his altruism stops with Latika. <laughs> there's no way. Well, he's going to be out in the burbs. He's going to see a headline. Oh, did you see there's another slum? Ew, yuck. And hold the paper. So like he has 20, so 20 million rupees by today's standards. Now, this was this movie was made in 2008. Uh-huh. By today's standards, 20 million rupees is roughly $240,000 USD. Oh, so you think him and Latika are going to have to go back to hooking and shit? No, I think that, I mean, that's, hey, you can get a, you can get, you can, you can go places with 240 grand. Like, I mean, I, you can't even buy my house with that. I'm not saying they got to buy a house, but you know, they'll probably go somewhere. <laughs> a literal just fuck shack. I mean, I go li- <laughs> you know, what about living in Bali or Italy? You know, I, I'm just saying, I think he's literally buying like an Ewok style in the, in the fucking tree. So no one can get at him. That's it. I don't think Jamal's paying it forward. He's about to be famous as fuck, too, so he'll probably make some money on endorsements. Right. He'll probably make a Bollywood movie right in this universe. Where <laughs> there is a really weird scene where at the police station, they show a police officer shooing the camera away and saying no filming. Yeah. Which is a really strange thing to leave in the middle of this movie. But in this fairy tale we're watching where Jamal gets his 20 million rupees, I think he goes a little Salim after this. Oh, for sure. I, this, here's the I thing. think he builds like fucking RoboCop turrets. I'll tell you right now, I don't, I don't begrudge a character to do that, especially who's been through what Jamal's been through. He's seen way. some shit. Right. If he was actually making like 20 million US, you can pay it forward. So to me, it's sort of that's like that thing where it's like, oh, Salim has been through it all. And Salim like lives yeah. by the sword, dies by the sword. What does Jam- a penthouse cost in fucking Mumbai? Well, that I, I have no idea, but you know, enough where you know twenty million rupees will get you pretty far in Mumbai, probably. All right, then he can help some people out. You yeah, fucking dirty. He can bitch, definitely Jamal. help some people out, but you know, again, he's if like, anybody's, <laughs> if anybody's he's like, I gotta right buy to be selfish, it's certainly Jamal. <laughs> I gotta buy magnums in bulk, right? I gotta buy pillows and incense, Ricky Martin candles. This is not gonna be cheap. <laughs> this is not gonna be a cheap F <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna do it right. 
Oh my god! Imagine the best fucking final five minutes of this movie. It's just them in the back of the car. And he's like, hey, 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 and Laska's like, oh god, no! It's like the worst thirty seconds of her life. And she's like, actually, I'm gonna go back and see if my husband can be saved from those gun wounds. I'm out. <laughs> That's. I'm sorry. I should not have said that. That's not very fairy for tale this, romantic. For this movie of a fairy tale ending, this is like the hey, it's, hey. Like... it's just like that MacGruber scene where his wife and the <laughs> and you just it's that close pushing on Latsika's eyes, right? The end of the graduate as she realizes, oh God, I've made a tremendous mistake. <laughs> I sorry, we shouldn't have done that. That's horrible of us. But what a tangent! What a tangent of <laughs> the real ending is. Um, I love how we spent the first half like we loved Jamal's innocence and Grant, and we just like totally <laughs> dragged his name through the mud. But yeah, back to this uh, host. It's yeah, what a piece of shit. the The host of the show is interesting because you do see like there's this begrudging respect for the character almost, mm-hmm. but he is just like a tremendous piece of shit. Like there is like no, also dumb as fuck. What makes this show more valuable? Than seeing a kid from the slums yeah, like, come on. win the 20 million rupees. As soon as he does that, every fucking person. That is something. It's interesting to bring show. that up because I thought that too. And I don't know if that is a. Because to me, that makes sense. Like, that's a ratings. That's a ratings bombshell. But that's also like. I think about that too. Like, that's also a very. That's also a very American thought. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's a very different. It might be a very different cultural thing. You know what I mean? I, to me, there, this is universal, though, right? Seeing some someone with nothing win it big and change their lives, sure, universally beloved story. Except for maybe in like communist places. I don't know if, if Jamal was like in China, they might hunt him down and kill his ass. Right. I don't know. I so I don't know. It, it's a hard it, it, again. Yeah. Wait, am I an idiot? Is China communist? China's communist, right? Dude, you're asking the wrong guy. Like we don't do geopolitics. I think China's communist. Show. I know they ain't American, and they- no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but, but I, that is a that, it is interesting you brought that up because I thought the same thing. I was like, why does anybody not want this guy to win 20 million rupees? Like that guy just has a personal vendetta. It's a cultural. Yeah, it's got to be a personal grudge, right? It was a very because that confused me too. Communist, I really China's communist. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. China's communist. You looked that up. Great. I want to make sure I wasn't a big dumb dumb. We're very current insults. events on this show. Everybody knows this. We're rounding the year out with current events. <laughs> I'm such Everyone a dumbass. Knows. I had to Google it during the show. <laughs> I barely give a fuck about our politics. I <laughs> wrong. I I do. There is one. Okay. Uh, there's a filmmaking thing I want to talk about though, because like, yeah. so this this movie shot by Anthony Dodmantle, who's sort of mm-hmm. the godfather cinematographer of Dogma '95, and like, sort of like the, sort of the uh, fir- one of the first DPs. Kind of funny because this is like the least Dogma '95 movie ever. For sure. I think the reason is because Anthony Dodd Mansell is one of the original, like, digital cinematography DPs. Mm-hmm. Like, he was one of the first people to just... But, like, Dogma 95, though, pulls the aesthetic you need. Not the aesthetic, I guess, but, like, more the um, more the production aesthetic you need for a movie like this. Because, like, the way... Not the way it's edited, but the way this movie is shot has to happen very quickly. And I think because right. also... And I, like, I, I've never filmed there, but I know a lot of friends who have filmed in Mumbai and India and stuff like that. And filming there is very difficult. So you have to film very quickly and very, very expeditiously. So to me, the production right. aesthetic of an Anthony Dodd Mantle production makes sense is when you're running around on digital cameras and shooting, not only do you use the right camera because he does like it's a really 
It's a really good sort of like fascinatingly grainy digital cinema. But then on top of that, this is a guy who doesn't need a bunch of bells and whistles to put on a camera to make things work. Like he's a fascinatingly awesome Right. With very little well, director of photography. Very, very cool. It, it is interesting, right? Because Dogma 95 was like something we talked about a lot in film school. The idea being all natural lighting, mm -hmm. diegetic music, right? Yeah. Um, not a lot of cuts and editing, right? It's supposed to all be completely natural. It was a way to make low-budget films super cheap. Right. To where it all felt like you were witnessing a real moment, as we mm -hmm. were all told, right? Um, and this movie is very much the opposite, right? Really in your face, needle drops, uh, yeah. changes in tempo, right? Yeah. Uh, things a where you lot. get slow motion, right? You get these kind of filtered looks through thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I wonder how that plays as much in India as here, because I do think to us, right, as an American audience, you watch this and this this has an otherworldly feel, right? It's it's a world Absolutely. that we don't relate to. It's, I mean, we might as well be going to Middle Earth, right? Yeah, customs and cultures different, right? The landscape different. Um, so it adds to this kind of fantastical element to the film a lot. And then you get to the millionaire parts. That's like classic high TV, big lighting, jibs, cray. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that I think that contrast is really interesting, right? When you're in the streets, when you're in the police station, right? It's hot, it's sweaty. We see Jamal get his fucking balls cooked. Or yeah. no, his toes. They do his toes, right? Yeah, toes. And they fucking knock him out. They're beating him up. So it is, it's, it's, it's this kind of grainy, sweaty, rough look. And so it, it is interesting, right? Um, but yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't get, it's, it's really funny. <laughs> a godfather of Dogma 95 going, well, that was bullshit. <laughs> well, I mean, out. like, what's so fascinating too is, so this is, I believe, this is the first movie that won an Oscar for cinematography. And it was the first digital cinematography Oscar. Mm -hmm. But I this think one that, best picture, this cleaned up, right? Yeah, this one pretty much won almost all the awards. Like, I think, let's see. Um, yeah, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Original Score, Best Original Song. And oh, best, the score! And Best Sound Mixing. Yeah, the score is utterly incredible. But. Not the soundtrack, right? The fucking paper plays. That no, was no, no, a time no. the machine. score specifically. I remember that summer. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing paper planes. Um, yeah. This movie won score. pretty much. Oh. This one movie won eight Academy Awards, seven BAFTAs, and four Golden Globes and a Goya. It's it's a fucking stunner, but dude. because it's a stunning film, and I, I really do think, like for me, the thing that always has grabbed me for this movie is the cinematography. Like there is something about the way this is shot, and again, it's because it's not shot haphazardly. Like there's that. There's that aesthetic it feels that comes. Hazard. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. There's that aesthetic that sometimes comes with bad digital cinematography, which is like, oh, there's a camera in the room. We have a camera. Do we just like put it on whatever and just run around with it? This feels the haphazard nature is so deliberate and so not forced, but so, um, so thematically relevant that it becomes such a huge part of the storytelling devices overall. Mm -hmm. Like I. Because I agree, like, I think the the difference between, like, the real life, the, like, real life and the TV show are, like, so important to, like, put you yeah. in the mood for the movie. Because, like, when the movie slows down is only when those game that game shows on. Like, to me, mm -hmm. that's, like, and it's still very thrilling, but that, to me, is, like, the only slow part of the movie is when the game show's going on. It's still thrilling, but it is, like, so brought down to a level it's very fascinating 
Right. Well, even moments, right? Very like connected. where he's in Very the connected. studio and then he has to use his lifeline, right? And he calls his brother's phone. And we yeah. cut back to Latika and this kind of jittery. Yeah. It's on. Oh, my yeah, God. She's out the in the real thing. world, right? Yeah. And she's running back for the phone, right? And when she picks it up, those two kind of styles collide in this beautiful moment, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he guesses the fucking third musketeer, which he never knew in school, right? Never knew. Wonderful fucking moment, right? He Beautiful. gets his money. Beautiful. That fucking, dude, this makes me cry every time I watch it. That fucking scene, though, when he just wins all this shit, he's maybe like now the most famous man in India for a night. He's just sitting at that fucking station, right? And he sees her ass across the fucking trains. Right? Oh. And he just jumps tracks and jumps tracks just to get to her. It takes so long, too. And you're like, get uh, there. Get there. No, no. See, I'm the opposite. Get I'm like, there. Yeah, fucking stroke it, right? <laughs> like when I'm at a happy ending parlor, right? The back rubs and all that's fine. I don't want it to go fast. Okay. I say that's that like I go all the time. Not a thing that you do, by the way. In, <laughs> in the world where I go to happy yeah. endings, right? In Pottersville, this is where Griffey goes. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting paid by the hour, so you can fucking stretch it out. <laughs> in, Gri- in Griffey's Pottersville, this is what happens. I won't, I won't put him on blast, but I have a friend who drives everywhere he goes in the country. <laughs> and when he comes to visit us, he always shows me this app. He has an app that just fucking highlights every rub and tug parlor on the routes where he's going. Let's <laughs> pull over and get jerked oh, up. God. I won't put him on blast. He knows who he is. Um, but yeah, I, was, I want that moment to go. I want him to... Because that's, that's the movie in microcosm, right? Is Jamal running towards this woman. And he gets her and he kisses the scar on her face. Oh, and, and it's perfect, man. It, it's, it's such a, a perfect, I, a beautiful moment, man. But it, it's, it's the, one of those moments in movies, right? We follow this journey and you're like, that's why movies matter to us. To see that moment, right? The story of a man overcoming and this and that, that's all great. That moment, though, those two embracing, there's that great shot where they go up high, right? And it's no one's in the train station or yeah. before that. Then they go up high and it's crowded. But for one frame, they're the only two people in the world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's magic, man. It's it's the best. And then we end on this and then fucking you end on this banger beautiful ass. Beautiful Bollywood number. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> me and my friends, right? My old roommates, Andrew Davis, shouts out. Uh, Albert Red shouts out. We used to go to this goth bar, Bar Sinister, where we get spanked and shit. Yep, yep. And Al's like this gigantic buff dude, right? <laughs> and so we would clear out a space in the floor, and me and him would fucking battle dance the Jai Ho. So there was a time in my life I knew every single move to this, and we'd be doing it to like you know Joy Division, or whatever. Awesome. <laughs> and people would look at us and be like, "What is wrong with those two? They thought we were like boyfriends battling each other." Um, some of the greatest memories of my life though, Amy told me another one, right? Um, her grandmother got to come out and visit us in California once, uh, her grandma came out to visit us with her parents and she goes, do you remember that the first time I saw this movie, we were watching it with her grandma, right? Um, little old lady lives in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. And she fucking loved this movie, loved this movie. And so I just have a lot of really special memories and happy times tied to this movie. And again, to get back to it, right? Whether it's the dance number or that fucking final embrace or the kid covered in shit, it's just, it's thrilling. It's fun. And it makes me 
happy to have tomorrows i guess is the way i would say it right it makes Ooh, me that just gave me chills. it makes me feel better that's, yeah it makes me it makes me feel better about being a human being man i mean um, that's really the way it is like it's just um, it's, it's written, a beautiful dude. film it is a reaffirmation <laughs> of life yeah if for nothing else so i could knock that millionaire host out right, like, right. i want to take a pop dude I just want to take a stick, right? <laughs> I'm a burger wallah, and I just, you know, fucking drop his ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, truly one of my my favorites. It's films, one of the man. best. It's one of the best movies of this decade. Oh, sorry, of this century for sure. Well, my son asked me, and he's like, "Is this in like your top five favorite movies?" I was like, "Maybe not." He's like, "Top ten, maybe." Like depending on the mood. It's just um, beautiful. I love this fucking movie. I truly love it. Um, looking back. We've had a hell of a year here. This was our biggest year, download-wise. The Patreon community going well. This is our biggest October ever. Um, really fun stuff. We put a lot of episodes in the can this year. We made a lot of new friends uh, who guest-hosted on the show. Yep. I got to start a miniseries with our friend Cloud. Me and you have talked about maybe dropping a Batman animated miniseries. we got uh, some ideas coming. we got some things uh, coming up. I have... I have an episode in the can of like talking with friends about making TV. So nice. Hell yeah. I have one thing that needs editing. I'm not sure. We'll see if it breathes life. We'll have to figure out if it's good enough, but it's, we had a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited. Yeah. 2023 it's, is going to be the best year yet for sure. It's been a really good year. Um, and you guys, the listeners, our patrons, you guys have made it. Um, because it is a lot of work we do, right? And there are times when we feel down. We're like, why do we still feel do like this we don't, pod? I'm always feeling like we don't put in enough work. And then we do talk to other podcast people who are like, <laughs> you guys do what? I'm like, is that weird? I mean, we put out a lot of shows. We try really hard. We could do better on some stuff. And we yeah. will for you socials, guys. Socials, um, yeah. We're always down on the socials. This time of year, I always like to look back. And I'm, I'm just happy, man. I'm just I happy that we built this show. And I'm happy... Uh, Mostly about the people we've met along the way. Um, and we got more to do to grow this thing, to do better for you guys. But we wanted to give you a uh, a very sincere and uh, heartfelt thank you. We love you guys. This year it has been it's a very been wonderful a, year. We've been blessed. Yeah. And we're already super fucking stoked to tackle uh, next year and make it bigger and better be yet. A- Griff, thank you for being such a great host. We love well, you. that's it. Yeah. You know, it's written, dude. It's written. <laughs> Thank you for being the uh, Salim to my Jamal. <laughs> Someone's got to whip your ass for sure. Yeah. Thank you for being the uh, Beethoven to my. No, uh, no, Salieri. don't. Yeah. No, thank you. For the be- audience knows. Thank you. The for audience be- knows. Thank you for letting me be your Salieri. We appreciate it. No, you're it. the Salieri. No, I'm the Salieri to your Beethoven. Orson Beethoven. for the peeps. Orson for the peeps. <laughs> Orson for the peeps, which makes you the Mozart. Common man, Salieri. common man, right here. Salieri, Salieri, right here. Salieri, common man. I'm just the overweight cop who needs exercise, right here. Second That's place, me. second place. How <laughs> fucking dare you? All right, guys, uh, we'll get out of here. We love Enjoy. You guys. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying your holidays. Uh, have a great New Year's Eve. Stay safe. Uh, we got a lot of good shit ahead of us in 2023. Wee. Bye.